Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's called Mad Sounds. One goes out to Mr. Alan Smile. Hello and welcome to the Mad Sounds Podcast. My name is Will Sparks and as ever I'm joined by Matt Maynard. How are you, Matt? Yeah, very well, mate. Very excited for uh, this week's guest interview. Indeed, we have got a big one. It's Ed Cousins who is releasing his album Fortune's Favour, which is on the 9th of April. Uh, my birthday, a very, very nice way to remember that. What an insightful chat, a real a real legend of the Sheffield music scene. Really nice to see stepping out and going solo. We were lucky enough to be sent an advanced copy of the album as well. Uh, on a link and it's brilliant it's so it's, me- it's lovely melodies very melancholic a lot lot of hawley in there as we oh, we love the hawley we, we love love, the hawley love a bit of richard hawley and we can definitely see that shining through and we'll hear ed chat about that but yeah what did you think matt yeah really loved this album actually um like you said it's the hawley influences that i'm a big fan of and, and there's also uh, as you'll hear in the interview um one special influence that we were also big fans of so look out for that but yeah this is right on my street so do check out this album if you get a chance uh, after you've listened to this interview. Uh, but before we talk to Ed, we've got our good friend Ben Wells in the studio to talk about new music from a band that we mentioned on the podcast last week, Shame. Um, we were quite big fans, weren't we, Will, of their new hit, um, Nigel Hitter. Indeed. I've, <laughs> I've, I've clearly gone for hit there with uh, the title of the song on my mind. But... Um, we've actually got, our, as we just said, resident shame expert, Ben Wells, Wellsy Wells, as he likes to be known. And he's, he's joining us in, on Zoom tonight on, on the podcast because he must be very excited about their brand new album, which came out on Friday, Drunk Tank Pink. Yeah. Cheers for having me back on, guys. Um, much appreciated. Uh, getting the invite for the fourth time, I think, now. Um, yeah, count. very excited. Yeah, I'm counting. No, yeah, very excited to talk about this album, actually. Um, it's been one I've been looking forward to for quite a while, actually. Um, their first album, Songs of Praise, came out a few years ago now. I think it was two years ago. Well, three in 2018. And for me, that was one of the albums of the year in 2018, uh, as it was. Um, you know, a really good sort of punky album from, like, you know, a young London band, essentially. Um, and yeah, this album's been sort of, I guess a long time in the making in a way it's been sort of delayed a little bit because of COVID and, you know, they wanted to, you know, they, they said themselves, they wanted to try and release it alongside a tour. Um, Cause it is an album that, you know, would be fantastic to hear live. And yeah, it is, so it's finally been released to the world. And I personally think it's a fantastic album. I mean, I know you guys talked about Nigel hit of a new single in your last podcast. And, you know, that was one of the big single, single releases, but, yeah, there's so many songs on this album, I think, that could quite easily be single releases and, um, you know, songs that I personally think are even better than Nigel Hitter. And I think the album's great. I've listened to it a few times now. Um, and it sort of wasn't, 
at the time, I remember in 2018, listened to that album a lot. But I, for some reason, I haven't like revisited it loads. But when I heard the the new album the other day, I went back to listen to the first one again to sort of compare them. And it is definitely a different sound. I think the first one was more of a raw punk sound. But you, you, you still get like that, you know, there's still a lot of feeling in this album. There's still punk vibes. But you, I think there's just lots of new layers added. And I really like it. And I think, yeah, I'm just like, excited to sort of hear it a few, like lots more and yeah. keep listening to it, really. Yeah, no, really, really into the album. Um, it, it makes me laugh when I hear that their first album is called Songs of Praise, as if it was like a collection of like hymns from some Church of England gaff on Sunday, Sunday <laughs> favourite on BBC on Sunday. But um, no, I don't really like their first album. So for, from, for, I mean, for a couple of years now, Shame have been on a couple of, you know, ones to watch lists and they've always been tipped to make big things. I think this is probably the album that's going to take them off those lists and sort of establish them um, as as you know one of the, the big bands on the scene uh and it's really really nice to have a, a london band doing it as well um you know you said you mentioned in a previous pod wellsy like i think a few months ago that they are quite a part of that london scene even though all the bands aren't from london but you know it's similar record labels um to each other releasing that sort of stuff so- like the singles themselves when they first came out i remember i think the first single was alphabet which is actually the album the first song on the album and I got. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't blown away by it. I mean, I think "Water in the World" came out after, which was again my first half of the album. And "Water in the World," "Water in the World," sorry, can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, no, but again, like that was a, a tune that I thought was good, but it wasn't anything to take them next level. And then when they released "Snow Day," that was the song that sort of made me sit out, take notice, and think, okay, this album could be very, very good, and. Yeah, it's lived up to all those pre-expectations now. And yeah, just in general, the first half of the album's unbelievable. We've got Alphabet, you've got Nigel Hitter, Born in Luton, which is an unbelievable tune, I think. It's so like in your face, upbeat, up tempo. Like again, a proper a song that you would go mad to live. Um then you got March Day, which is more of like a sort of classical indie tune almost. It's like I almost think it's a, it's a song you'd hear on the in-betweeners back in the day. It's got that sort of riff to it. <laughs> You yeah, know what I mean, well, you should check out <laughs> last week's podcast, and was if you want to find out uh, about TV show music. Uh, <laughs> nice, yeah. nice little plug there. Yeah. But um, yeah, the album's class, and I think even the second half of the album, it, it it doesn't let up at all. Like Human for a minute is a nice little sort of slow break on it, and then you've got you know Six to One, which is I think one of the biggest songs of the album again. Or it's been like a fan favorite as well since it's come out. So yeah, it's. It's a really, really good album, um, and yeah, it's actually it was actually recorded in La Frette in France, and oh. yeah, as as two guys who know their music, uh, can you name a recent album recorded there? Tranquility Bass. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, Tranquility Bass recorded there in 2018. So that was quite an interesting little crossover. If I yeah. spotted on the album insert. Good knowledge. <laughs> good knowledge. <laughs> Love it. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I can't really speak highly enough of the album. I think. I'm pretty confident in saying that I would be surprised personally if there's an album that tops this for me in the rest of 2021. Um, it's always easy to say in January, obviously, but I just think it's such a progression from their last album. I think this is what this is one that's going to take them into the, the sort of the mainstream, but without it being a mainstream album. Um, yeah, it's already it's already I think in the top ten charts for a week. So yeah, it's very good. Well, we look forward to you um, proclaiming it as your album of the year on our end of year pod. Um, in, in <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Wellesie. Um, I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Now it's time for Ed Cousins. 
yeah lo- lockdowns looks fairly busy for you actually because i mean te- i guess you've been writing most of this new album uh well actually uh it may surprise you to learn that it was uh, it was all kind of written and recorded about two years ago oh, <laughs> oh really okay <laughs> so, yeah so just before christmas 2018 we actually did recorded the album itself um so yeah it's been it's been a little a little while in in the making and uh yeah just dead excited to finally actually get it out you know it's, it was supposed to be out last year obviously but then we've with various things and the pandemic mainly being the the main one it's it's got delayed um till now april this year so yeah i think i think we're just uh yeah just dead keen to get it out but brilliant yeah so if it's it's fortune's favor it's called and it's out on the 29th of january how does it feel releasing your first album uh your first solo album because i imagine obviously you've done it so many times in a band um and you've been behind the process but maybe i mean i guess as a member of a band you're never at the forefront of that process um what what's it like uh, releasing it and do you do you think lockdown is going to have an effect on the what the albums that have already been released um well i mean it's it's obviously incredibly exciting it's my first kind of solo thing so it's uh it's been a um, quite a, obviously a different process from what what i've done in the past with with the band and and stuff mainly obviously because i'm on my own and i've got you, you don't have that kind of immediate thing with bouncing ideas off people and uh, mm. all kind of i'm just sort of following my sort of initial ideas through to their kind of natural conclusion i suppose so um, which has been different um but like, i'm lucky enough to have sort of people around me still like the rest of the guys in the band obviously and like my wife and some close people who who, who can sort of listen to what i've done and make sure i'm not sort of going down a rabbit hole that i can't get out of sure um but yeah i don't know it's it's, it's been a been a strange one i mean a lot of lockdowns have, obviously i said is it's affected timing wise in in terms of what what we were hoping to do with the album it was supposed to be last year and you know we were hoping to do, go out and do gigs and tour and all the rest of it like you mm. normally would but obviously that's all had to go on hold and i think i think a lot of people have kind of have been affected in that way but then it's it's, it's almost got to the point where you know it was obvious none of this was going to go away anytime soon so right. you know we, everyone just sort of realized we've just got to release stuff keep releasing it as oh. if there's nothing else we can do otherwise you know the whole music industry just end yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so does yeah. It, do you think it has it affected you in any way because you must have had these grand designs of having like this album launch of a couple mm. if it's been in the, the making for two years and then suddenly that's sort of been ripped up a bit or are you quite a positive person anyway and you know you're accepting that this is just the situation and you know you've got to get it out there yeah, well, as I say, I mean, we've, 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 I've obviously come round to that way of thinking. Um, yeah. It was, it was difficult at first, obviously, because you've been sat on the album for for a little bit of time. To then have to kind of, yeah, put it all back was very frustrating, and you know, it, it made you wonder, you know, what was going to happen with not being able to get out and promote it, sort of in person, and do all the usual kind of things you, you'd you'd do to promote an album that you have to do nowadays. You know, unless you like a, a multi. Yeah, you know, million pound sort of artist. It's uh, you have to get out there and 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 see people and and you know like with the rev thing, we always go out and do like the install gigs and we've, we've done sort of house gigs and stuff and all that kind of stuff and getting out and just seeing people spreading the word. That's that's the main way we kind of promote all our stuff. So yeah, not being able to do that has been really difficult. But you know, it, it, yeah, you, you kind of have to accept it after a point and. And just get on with the the cards that you've been dealt, really, and, uh, and make the best of it, which is what we're trying to do. And I mean, actually, you said at the start, it was twenty ninth of January. We've actually moved it back to the 9th of April now, just uh, FYI. Oh. So it, 
But that, that's that's again purely because we've gone into the second lockdown because we were hoping to do a couple of live stream gigs and and maybe try and do some kind of in store stuff. Yeah. But lockdown coming again, it's just made everything impossible. So, yeah, we've pushed it back slightly and just with the the hope that you know at that point in April time, you know, maybe we can we can start going out and do smaller stuff. And but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about this album then, because I, th I think the first thing I want to talk about is the, is the influences, because it's something that excites me to talk to you about, because I think I've read around what you might say here, and, and you know, I'm fans of some of these artists. Um, I think I might know who's coming. So who are the, who are the artists or, or albums that have influenced you in, in creating this music for yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the first thing I always say to that question is... Um, for me personally, and I think for um, the majority, if not all musicians, whether they like them or not, whether they say they do or they don't, the Beatles are obviously a huge um, influence on, on me. And, and I think most people, so even if you don't like them, you, you can't avoid the influence that they had on music. Yeah, and, you know, and the, on, and the wider world in a way. So it's so obviously the Beatles, but, you know, I'm a huge fan, obviously. And, you know, this just immersing yourself in, in, in the songs they wrote and learning how they did it and, and everything is, is, is a constant influence. So obviously that, and I think that obviously, there's obviously moments on the, on the record that, that that shines through. Um, I guess more recently, I mean, you mentioned him at the start, so Richard Hawley. Love Richard Hawley. He's never made a bad album. <laughs> no, he's, and he's a great songwriter. He's a great person as well. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to sort of, to, to know him a little bit and, and he's, wow. he, and yeah, it's you know his the, his sort of story almost you know sort of being in, in bands in his sort of younger career and then and then stepping out on his own. I, I find a lot of sort of similarities with, with kind of what I'm doing. Maybe so. the new Richard Hawley Ed. <laughs> well, that would be nice. That would be nice, but time, time will tell, I suppose. I think this, yeah. this album musically, you know, is is up is is on that level. You know, so yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. Well, I know. This is what I mean, he's. <laughs> Obviously, he's obviously in there somewhere, you know, um, his influence. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, other, other ones, th something that's maybe not quite so obvious is uh, I was listening a lot when we were actually recording the album to um, Dan Auerbach's latest uh, solo record, uh, which I think is great. And it's just classic sort of songwriting and, and yeah. sounds great as well. I'm, I'm a big sort of fan of, of good sounding From stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so yeah, if if if, nobody, if if people out there haven't haven't heard his solo stuff, go check it out. It's it's great, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard a few bits. It's yeah, it's different. It's different to Black Keys stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little, as I say, it's a little bit more mellow. It's a bit more songy, and but yeah, it just it just does. I mean, the, the Black Keys stuff sounds great, but it, he, he his solo stuff in particular is yeah. It's and, and I'm a, I'm a big kind of uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of of stuff sounding really good and interesting, and not just being kind of the normal sort of sound so you know that's 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 yeah. something i've taken yeah. well, one of the other ones i was interested in is the submarine record by alex turner yeah. um, as you can guess uh, by the name of our podcast we're obviously big fans of arctic monkeys um but that album in particular is sort of stands alone it's quite separate from a lot of maybe the monkeys music yeah. and it's a it's just a beautiful record isn't it really it is i i, I mean I, lo I love a lot obviously all the monkey stuff and and you know we're, we're obviously good good friends and stuff but uh, yeah, that submarine soundtrack album, I think, is, is some of his best work. Really, I think it's just so honest and so kind of sound. Again, sounds brilliant. The songs on it are great. So yeah, I mean, stuff like that's a, a real big influence. Um, 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so listen to it a lot. I always try and put my finger on what the kind of what the chord patterns are that are quite similar with that and like Hawley and I think I hear this in your music and I think I don't know if it's like that major to minor thing quite a lot that goes on and there's just yeah, really beautiful sounds that are melodies I think that's what it is yeah well I mean obviously was it Leonard Cohen in, in uh, or something was saying in major to minor and all that the, the chord changes the secret chord and all the rest of it it's, it's, it's there's something beautiful about it that I think you know there's a reason why it, <laughs> You know, it's it's in pretty much every song you ever hear. It's it's the you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's... Well, it goes without saying, Sheffield's a special place for music. I mean, we, we had um, Joe Carnell also uh, in Rev on the pod in May on our first episode, actually. And he spoke about a lot of people, you know, working in the boardwalk. And there was just a, se- a, general, a scene at the time, you know, from about 2005, drifting on a couple more years from that. Were you were you a part of that? Were you around during that? Or did, did you... you work in the boardwalk? Yes, I did. I, I was, oh, yes. I was um... brilliant. Start <laughs> a club on the Mad Sounds podcast. Of the boardwalk club work in the boardwalk. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, the boardwalk. It's a, it was a legendary venue in Sheffield um, back in the sixties. It was called the Black Swan, um, which was locally known in Sheffield as the Mucky Duck. So mm. it, it, was, it was a bit of an infinite, infamous venue. Joe Cocker played there in the sixties, and, and loads of other people and. And then um, legend has it. Well, not legend. I think it is actually true. It's not a legend. Uh, the Clash played. I think their first or the, one of their first gigs there. Right. Nice. In Sheffield, and and yeah, it was it was just an amazing venue. Um, and it was it was kind of a real central kind of venue to to bands in that sort of mid noughties period because it was it was about four hundred capacity. I think so. It was a really good size for for kind of bands like us starting out and you know the Monkeys and Wilbur and everyone. It was it was just that really good size and. And yeah, we yeah, me and John from Rev and, and Alex and Andy worked all worked behind the bar there, and I had a real good time. It was it was a really nice nice time. Everyone was kind of working together and collaborating, and yeah, it was yeah. Really Do you think like I, I can't think of another place? May, maybe Glasgow is the only one that comes into this bracket that like Sheffield has. Sheffield has that relationship with its fans when it comes to music and it, it spans across a lot of bands and a lot of artists so we've mentioned all of them you know already whether it be Milburn, Rev, Richard Hawley, Monkeys and Pulp lots of lots of others it is do you think it's a unique relationship that can't be replicated because of things like the boardwalk because of things like the uh, what would be the O2 Academy there and things like that because when when I see footage of you know Rev gigs and things like that especially the Sheffield ones yeah. it, it and when you go to gigs elsewhere it's core hard following to, as well I think as well right? exactly core followings is probably the best way to phrase it it really is hard to capture that elsewhere in the country yeah I think um I mean there's definitely I don't know if it's a mentality thing with, with Sheffield that it's always kind of been a little bit kind of self-deprecating, and we've 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 always had that kind of you know connection as, as, as sort of real people, I suppose. And I guess it's that you know if you, if you get up on a stage and start trying to sort of be sort of Billy Big Bollocks, it's there's there's always somebody sort of waiting to sort of put you down again. So I don't think you allow yourself to to kind of go full on kind of rock star, you, you just wouldn't get through with it. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's, there's always been that kind of connection to sort of the fans and, and, you know, and, and, and people in general that, that, you know, everyone you mentioned there from Sheffield all, all, all subconsciously, I think has that within them and, you know, and, and also it's, it's that kind of going back to sort of, you know, the clash and people like that who had the, a real connection with, with all the fans and a real community feeling and, I think it's important that you have your fans and there's so much nowadays that it's just, you know, there is no connection. There's it's just like big pop acts or whatever and you never meet them, you never see them. 
you know, you just hear the latest thing on Spotify and that's it. There's, there's no kind of no grounds for anything else. So it's, you know, it's that's it's always been really important. And I think I think we've always we've always tried to to sort of to garner those relationships, particularly with the Rev thing. And I know obviously that Milburn did and, and the Monkeys as well. And yeah, it's, it's all it's, it's all good in that respect. Absolutely. Um, we also spoke to Joe about the varying degrees of success of all these bands, of all your peers. So, you know, Monkeys, Little Man Tate, Rev, Milburn. How did it affect, you know, how you judged your own level of success with Rev? Because, we, you know, with Joe's, with Joe's band Milburn, they were constantly by, like, by magazines like Enemy being compared with Monkeys. You know, did it, did it ever affect your own judgment of how well Rev did because of other, maybe bands like Monkeys being astronomy yeah i mean it, it was in those early days yeah with sort of enemy that i think they coined the, the the phrase one one issue of new yorkshire whatever that is this sound which was a thing and they, they kind of lumped everyone in together there was us and you know mm. people like Bob jacket as well at the time who who weren't i mean they weren't originally from sheffield they just lived in sheffield so they didn't quite have the same same thing as we did and, and I, I think we always felt we were slightly different to the Arctic Monkeys with with more the kind of sort of electronica, yeah. Of, you know, the, for again a Sheffield thing from sort of the late seventies, early eighties that we always kind of had a lot of. Um, and I think it was difficult for bands like Milburn, who were obviously very similar to the Monkeys in some respects, even though actually Milburn were around before the Monkeys. And if anything, yeah. it was the Monkeys that fed off yeah. Milburn. You know what I mean? In those early yeah. days, it was it was really harsh on them at the time. But I think. That was their problem that they were obviously very similar. Whereas I think we managed to sort of sidestep it almost a little bit because we had a slightly different sound, and you know we 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 tried not to sort of fall into doing just doing the same thing and and always tried to do something a bit different. So I think it was never that difficult for us to think well we were doing right kind of thing because because yes, say so we 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 just kept ourselves out of that. But yeah, it was difficult. We we were always kind of lumped in, and even now we still get that kind of we're a lad band and all this that and the other, and it's. It's never something we've really felt comfortable with, but you know, it's just one of those things I think you have to deal with. Yeah, sure. No, I can uh, really, really well explained as well. You said that you've always um, that this album was ready two years ago. How long yeah. in your mind had you been planning on going solo? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I mean, I probably had my first sort of tentative steps doing something with the idea of it being not a reverend thing and it being sort of my own thing whether it was under sort of my name or at the time or maybe a different thing or whatever but that was probably you know a good sort of 10 years ago that i started messing around with stuff and truth be told it did it, it never really quite took off one because the the timing wasn't right you know we were still really busy with with the rev thing and and i just i don't think i quite figured out what it was i was trying to do at that point so it, it's taken me a minute to to kind of except that what I was trying to do for myself was a little bit more personal. You know, it was a little bit more about me and just to be a bit more honest about it rather than trying to be something else, if you see what I mean. I was, I was always trying to think, oh, what, what should I do? What, should, what, what could work? You know, so rather than what do I want to do? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, so it took a minute. And then obviously finding the confidence to, to kind of step out on my own, more in a lyrical sense than anything. So obviously... I've always been kind of more the music guy with with Reverend and the Makers, and whereas John was always the the, you know, the lyricist and put himself out there in that respect. But so I'd never done it before, really. So it was it took me a minute to sort of just get the confidence to uh, 
to put my lyrics out there and to be confident in the lyrics. And, and, you know, it was only maybe in the, yeah, in the last sort of two or three years that I really, really finally sort of figured out what it was I wanted, was wanting to say and, 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 and say it in the right way as well. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really enjoying being in the driving seat, doing your own record. Whereas in, you know, other, other bands, maybe you don't get to, to do that. Are, are you working with a producer that you're really comfortable with at the moment? And you know, someone you've got confidence going to enhance the sound of it, or are you doing a lot of that yourself? Yeah, so I yeah when we came to record the album, I uh, immediately went to a guy called Dave Sanderson, who uh, has done the last couple of Rev uh, Reverend albums. So know him really well, worked with him before. And he's 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 really really super good, and yeah, it was just an obvious choice really. And um, so I took I took Dave um, to the studio and also had Joe Carnell bass and, uh, and a friend of mine Adam Crofts who was drummer in uh, Barrocks from Sheffield um, and he was in a band called The Hosts as well for a bit great drummer great musician all around actually so he, he was really good to have around so we, we just had a kind of a core little group of people but yeah I mean Dave was Dave was great and and, and he, he gets me he understands sort of where where my thinking comes from and and yes yeah, he's got that similar kind of ideas on on the music and the sound of music and and you know he's a great engineer as well as a producer so it's it all kind of came together nicely and and plus I, I didn't really want to have to do it myself I've, I've dabbled a bit over the years and it's it's just much easier just to be able to stand to one side and concentrate on performing and writing the music rather than worrying about where the mic's placed on your guitar to make it kind of sound right do you know what I mean so I think it was it was important to have someone like Dave there and yeah he's done a great job it sounds amazing it's, it's interesting you say it because some people in the studio are you know one of the better phrase control freaks you know they actually enjoy that sort of really micromanagement of all of their music you know where the mics place the the EQ levels the balance etc but it, it does sound like it's much easier to get someone who sort of really knows their onions on that front um to, to use a bit of a cliche phrase but it's really good that you're, you're working with someone you enjoy and you know joe who as i say in earlier on was our first guest on this podcast he must be an absolute joy to work with as well and you must i mean you've worked with him for years right yeah i mean yeah i mean he's a great musician as well and and you know as a songwriter in his own right it's it's nice to have yeah like we're saying not when you're writing sort of on your own for something to, to then be in a studio where you're recording and have someone to sort of bounce ideas off in that environment's really really and, and was was really good and you know i think going back to what you were just saying i think it's it's obviously i didn't want to get involved in sort of on the kind of the technicality level of the production but i mean there's there's always that kind of you know you always kind of have a an overriding control of the whole thing. and but the reason i say it worked was because i think everyone was was totally on the same page so it made it a lot easier to to not have to be that kind of dictator in the studio do you know what i mean so yeah it was it was really good brilliant now just going back on to some of your other projects obviously the main one being the reverend and the makers um what's happening with rev at the moment uh, last album 2017 um 15 years the band's been around now which is is mega so you're only five years away from that big 20th tour which i'm sure we'll, we'll, <laughs> me, me and matt will be in the queue for tickets for try, try and get the sheffield one if not we'll have to settle for london um yeah. but what, what's going on at the moment i'm obviously, obviously saw a bit of the stuff john's doing with the solo zoom gigs and stuff like that but um any any gossip on that front um gossip well i mean it's it's there's 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 irons in the fire shall we say there's there's definitely things happening lovely 
We'll take we'll, we'll take that. No problem. Yeah, so, tram lines this year. Won't, won't pry anymore. Um, well, I mean, any, any gig this year would be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I've played for three people at the minute. I don't really care. <laughs> I, guess, I guess doing a solo record maybe bring you back down to earth because you're doing your own thing on your own level. But you ha- you on a personal level in other projects you have had a, a massive career i mean you've supported mm-hmm. oasis we've heard stories about rev and after show parties etc etc i mean to be part of that scene you come across as such a humble guy when really you have you've you've lived it up with yeah, some think, of our favorite bands it's yeah. time to start dishing the dirt what happened in the after <laughs> show parties what was john and his brother doing with noel and liam oh, you know what i am not going anywhere near that that's nothing to do <laughs> out of it it's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the humble thing. Yeah, that, I think that's the Sheffield thing coming through again. You know, they're always kind of putting yourself down a little bit. It's, uh, but I, I mean, it's it's kind of my natural sort of position anyway. But I mean, yeah, it's it's mad looking back on the whole thing. To be honest, it's uh, yeah, when you 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 almost forget that you've you know, how much stuff we kind of did, like the Oasis gigs. You know, those last they were playing three nights at Wembley Stadium. Do you know what I mean? It was. Yeah. insane but yeah you just, at the minute at the time you just kind of did it and it was like wow and then you kind of forget about it and then looking back you think actually yeah, that was pretty pretty mad plus to say that they were the last oasis gigs as well obviously i mean i i grew up with oasis you know the one of the reasons i got into music and started being in a band you know when i was sort of in my, in my teenage years it was you know the whole brit pop thing was was huge so you know yeah it's, it's crazy and then yeah those those last gigs with them were were pretty mental, and it, yeah, it was just a funny time. You know, there was there was sort of parties every night, but they were always kind of it was either Noel or it was Liam. They were never yeah, I heard this. <laughs> <laughs> squad rotation on what, the end. So did rotation. you have to pick, or did you? Or sorry, it was no different night. Was it, so you would you what, when, whose parties were better, Noel or Liam? Oh, now then, <laughs> no, you're not you're not drawing me in there. I mean, I. I <laughs> Were you getting stuck into them parties, having a good time, or were you like the more reserved onlooker? Or yeah, of course, we were getting stuck in, weren't we? Yeah. What, 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 I was what about mid twenties, so you know it was. Yeah. It was yeah, it was it was pretty pretty amazing, but I mean it was it was a bit weird, obviously, because you know you didn't you didn't want to sort of steam into them kind of parties and make a make a titty yourself. Do you know what I mean? You kind of wanted to just be respectful and, and kind of be cool and everything, but yeah. you like yeah. just standing there like looking at all these people in this room and. You know, the guy who's kind of made you be in a band in the first place is stood over there, sort of thing. Yeah. And you go and chat yeah. to them, and like, all right. And, beyond yeah. our beyond our wildest dreams, some of those parts. Well, have you got got a favourite Oasis song you could pick off the top of your head? Well, it, I've, yeah, I, I I was doing another interview recently. Actually, and we were talking about this, a song. It was the the question was a song from school that that you remember. Yeah. And the what the song from school that I've I've remembered and will stay with me forever is is Rock and Roll Star. Yeah. Definitely, maybe and. Uh, the reason I say that is because I think it was for my like my twelfth or thirteenth birthday. I got a like a CD player thing with a, a bit had like an alarm function on it. <laughs> the first CD I, I got that I played in it was definitely maybe because I think it had just come out. And uh, so every morning waking up to go to school, the first track on definitely maybe is Rock and Roll Star. So every morning I woke up to Rock and Roll Star coming out of my CD player, and yeah, so that that just kind of stayed. And whether that was there was something subconscious in there that's. To- Talk talk about a song to set you up for the day. There's not much better. It's, it, it's the first track on the album as well, isn't it? It's probably why there's one one the one waking you up. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, we've been talking about old music there. Uh, before we come on to our little game about Sheffield, which uh, you, you're going to love it, um, <laughs> I just wanted to know what you're what you're listening to at the moment because it's always interesting to us to hear what you know the, the real musicians are actually listening to. And 
it can be maybe just old stuff that you've discovered or a few new bands because there's some decent new music out there too yeah i mean um there's there's loads of stuff i mean it's it's a weird time that you, you all you've got is stuff to sort of listen to and discover on mm. on spotify whether because there's obviously no gigs or anything so but i mean i've i've really enjoyed that there's a band uh, out last last year called squid really oh. Yeah. That was really cool, really kind of interesting, slightly sort of talky, angular sort of weirdness, but it was it was really cool. And and uh, then I, I really liked a, a slightly more electronic thing called Warm Doucher, right? Which was really cool, really, really. I was the fact it was really annoying actually. The last gig I was booked to go and see was Warm Doucher at, at uh, Picture House Social here in Sheffield on like the 29th of March last year, and it obviously got cancelled because it was like the day that it all got locked yeah. down. Yeah, what what was your last gig before? Can you remember? Probably a rev gig, actually. The last gig I went to, what even played that was we we did a gig in uh, in Ireland in Dublin in February, um, and that that was the last year, the last live music experience, other than you know other little online things. But yeah, that's the last thing I I, I did. So yeah, it's a sad, was... sad even talking about it, isn't it? Yeah, um, it especially. Like almost like you listen to a year ago and which is crazy I've, I've i've been in band since i was at school since i was like 13 and this is easily the longest period by a long way that i've never done a gig yeah um, you know, it's, it's mental you're getting with girl symptoms massively massively yeah. I'm almost forgetting how to do it you know <laughs> the, the withdrawal symptoms must be worse with something like a rev gig because you know i Come go to some gigs and you like the music and you'll you'll go and you'll you'll stay with that band forever sort of thing. But it's just sort of a, a such a special vibe at a rev gig or you know like like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, just any any Sheffield gig really. But rev gig just sort of like when tunes like Silence is talking or Heavyweight Champion comes on, just the bounce you can get going off some of those tracks. Special moments, special moments for sure. Yeah, yeah, I know. Of course, you you know the the kind of adrenaline rush you get from that kind of situation, you know, it's it's amazing and it's better than any drug in the world, you know. It's yeah, it's, you can't replicate it, and you know, it's yeah, you you do miss it a lot, and yeah, those moments at the end of gigs, you know, with silence is talking and and the crowd are still singing the riff like ten minutes afterwards, and you can hear them <laughs> in the room, you know, it's 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 magic. So I think the last footage of that song I saw was was it tram lines. Um, I think I think it's tram lines. I might have got the name of festival wrong. Where literally the whole, I mean, it probably holds about twenty five, thirty thousand in the front pit bit, but every single person's bouncing. It just looks absolutely. I really, really wish I got a ticket for that. But yeah, yeah. soon come. They'll they'll need to start vaccinating people on the door or something like that, and uh, we'll all be we'll all we'll all be back to it anyway. Yeah. Stick it in me. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. Well, anyway, we you know we're me and Will we're Londoners. You know we're not Sheffield boys, okay. and you are the expert Sheffield. Uh, on man on this podcast yeah, yeah. Gonna, you can teach us right what is right and wrong in sheffield so i've got a little selection of of either ors basically just okay. pick one or the other mm-hmm. and this is going to be you know for the, the two uneducated boys on sheffield you're going to give us the right answer well, now <laughs> i've only got a few so don't you know we're not here all night um but you know they they feel like they could be contentious there's a big build-up to this is it <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, big build up for this shitty game. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> right, first one is um, where you might spend your Friday night: the lead mill or the wick at both ends. Oh wow, lead mill all lead day. Mill. Yeah, nice. All right, cool. Straight in. Straight in. Easy. It's a legendary place. There's so many, so many good nights been there over the years, and yeah, you know, yeah, oh yeah. 
I've been to the Leadmill. I've never been to the Wicket Both Ends, so I'm glad I went to the right one. No, I mean the the Wicket Both Ends is like a bar. It's not really like a club. Yeah. They're, they're not really a fair comparison. I don't think really. No, but, well, who who would be your rival to the Leadmill then? Well, I, mean, I guess I mean it, it would have been somewhere like the Plug, maybe back in the day. I mean, it's not quite the same as it used to be the Plug, but you got the Plug or yeah, that's about it, really. I think I was, you know, we're, we're aiming for a slightly different vibe where the wicked both ends from what i from what i read because i've been <laughs> basing it on in, shit internet research yeah. um telling me that it's the cool place to go in sheffield is it right mm-hmm. okay. yeah. no. <laughs> maybe it's pretentious yeah I, I don't know i don't know what you're reading there but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> been absolutely done by TripAdvisor. Um, <laughs> yeah. trip <laughs> um next one is a big one it's definitely a contentious one between me and will is right. uh humbug or stuck it in sea Oh wow! Okay, that's that is a bit more tricky. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say suck it and see. Hey, hey. Oh, unlucky Matt. Yeah, it's, but it's, I mean, we're talking like a nuts nuts thing, you know. It's it's, it's grasshopper's dick. As they I, I, I'll I'll take a nut. I'll take a I'll take a fingernail. I mean, for me, suck it and see is my my favourite. So nah. I'll take that. Have one over on Matt again. Yeah. Oh. I, Talk it just as yeah, Matt. Matt, you're 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 big on humbug. I'm, you, I'm a massive humbug. I think it's their best album. Intre- out of interest, do you have a what is your favorite Arts and Monkeys album? I know you like the new one as well. But obviously, Tranquility Base. I do love the new the new one's fantastic. Yeah, um, my favorite. I don't know. I, I I really like the second album. I think I think it. Worst was, nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of the first album was great, but then the second album just for me, some they were trying to do there, and they they were just so good at that period yeah and, and everything i mean am's great you know what a record that is but yeah i mean this but and also it's, it's a bit more of a a personal thing because we were obviously around them so much at the time when they were doing well when they were doing the first and the second album but the second lot as well and yes i think that's got quite a special place for me that one do you see them much at all anymore is it a lot less not really. Now I speak to Matt a bit, sort of online, and I saw him maybe I don't know, probably probably like two years ago now. But yeah, I mean, and I, I, I see Mally the bass player, uh, Nick. Um, he, he's still fairly local, so I see him a bit. And yeah, but I've not. I mean, I've 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 not seen Alex for yeah for a long time now. So, but you know, we, the, the, it's it's one of those things. Whenever you kind of bump into them, we, you know, we we did so much in them early days together. You, you just kind of fall back into into old old kind of habits as soon as you see people like that so it's it's nice you know yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. um the next one is milburn or little man tate <laughs> i mean not we're not wanting to be harsh but there's no contest <laughs> <laughs> I know we what your allegiance is like. Good answer. We, we were fishing for a comment like that. <laughs> there, there is no contest. I mean, but with, they with... did come back though, didn't they? Little man, say they did uh, make a little return this year. Yeah, they, they were supposed to do something, but yeah, no. I mean, this, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> me, me and Matt said about our first Milburn, Milburn album. There are no skips on that album at all. Oh, what an album! Nice. It would not skip one track, and the drumming is one thing oh. I picked up on recently. Is that Green Joe Green? Yeah. Is that the right one? Um, is is literally one of the best drum records I've ever heard. I think some of the fills on it, Bruce, the song Brewster, the drum fill on that song is like second to none. Yeah, like, it's absolutely. Yeah, I mean Green Green is an amazing drummer. He's, he's played for, he's filled in for sort of for us a few times over the years as well. And uh, yeah, just playing with him is great. He's got such an intensity. It's it's really sort of exciting, you know. So, yeah. yeah, 
Mental. But yeah, that, their first record. I mean, this is this is again they're so un, like not underrated, but yeah, they were unfairly treated in those early days because that first record's great and it stands yeah. to the Monkeys record, I think, really. I I, I agree. Every, every every sort of one, everyone I encounter who I want to sort of you know if they not not that I get asked oh what are you listening to? Well, but if if we're having a chat about music, I always put that Melbourne Melbourne record in first. A because like you say, not not enough, not enough people have heard of it. But B, the the quality and the production on it is just unbelievable. And the songs though, it's not all similar to Monkeys, is it? What View could have won quite a different track, quite their own direction. I thought, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and finally, and I think I know the answer to this one as well because of the circles you hang out in. United or Wednesday? Oh come on, <laughs> owls. Let's let's not, let's not talk about it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're absolutely shite at the moment so you can talk. You know we're both are, to be fair we're both absolutely we're in a right pickle it, it's, it's... Is, is there anyone in your in your kind of circle or the music circle that is um united uh is there that's a good question all milburn lads are wednesday all Mon- milburn. monkeys are all wednesday all is definitely wednesday he's proper wednesday i i think jarvis is cockers he's a wednesday i Martin Ware from Evan Centine's a Wednesday. Andy night. Nicholson's not um, United, is he? Andy's a blade, yeah. Andy. Is he? Yeah. Uh, okay, we found there one. There you go. Andy's a blade, yeah, and which is very sad. Um... <laughs> Maybe that's why they got rid of him. <laughs> I wouldn't want, want to comment on that. Um, yeah, but uh, do, do you know, actually, I mean, the majority of people I know sort of in, in music, and I mean, beyond music, are like all the kind of from Sheffield, all the Warp film guys. We know they're they're all Wednesdayites, and uh, Pete McKee's a Wednesdayite. You know the artist, and this, I think the, the majority of people are kind of sort of like the the liberal creatives of the Wednesday fans. I can really think of yeah, Andy's a blade, and and you know Toddler T, he he's he's United as well. Okay, yeah, uh, it seems like all the decent fellas are Wednesday. <laughs> not that Andy's not decent, but obviously, <laughs> no, nice one, Andy. Love to have you on, Andy. It, it's been. <laughs> Ed, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, yeah. Just just recap, that's Fortune's Favour out on the 9th of April, my birthday as it goes. So uh, That's why I remembered it. I was uh, like, how's he going to remember this? Will's birthday, get that get that for myself as a little treat on a CD or vinyl, no problem. And hopefully <laughs> hopefully a ticket in the bundle uh, as well. Um, you can <laughs> give us a follow uh, on Twitter. We're at the Mad Sounds Pod. And if you're listening on Spotify, click the follow button. And if you're on Apple, click subscribe. Ed, thanks again. Lovely to have you on and we'll speak to you soon. Yes, mate. Nice one. Lovely.